Welcome to Idle Chatter, brought to you by the Machinery Digest, where steel and soil meet. A weekly podcast by a New Jersey farmer to all farmers and ranchers across this great nation. And yes, there are farms in New Jersey. Regardless of the crop you grow or the livestock you raise, we all have one thing in common. Agriculture runs on passion, sweat, tears, and machinery, and that is why the Machinery Digest exists, a no-nonsense, grease-under-your-fingernails educational website. It was created to provide a transfer of knowledge so that you can maintain, service, and most importantly, understand today's complex farm equipment. My name is Ray Bohax, and I farm too. It is time now to get under the sheet metal. friends and welcome to Idle Chatter. I'm Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from the Farm Machinery Digest and hopefully the sound of my voice finds you doing well today. Um, You may be starting harvest in some parts of the country and if you haven't already started that then you're probably getting ready to and uh, getting the equipment all tuned up and looked over and ready to go. So we're going to have a uh, interesting show today and it's hopefully it is I think it'll be interesting and I'm gonna take a little bit of a different concept than I've had in the uh, past couple of podcasts and we're also going to have two letters from uh, readers and they are one let me get them here it's on my desk Jim from New York is considering buying a new heavy-duty pickup truck and wants to know uh, the thoughts of our thoughts about the uh, gas or diesel, whether we should go with a gas or diesel engine. And the other letter is from Bob in Delaware, and he has an issue with some electronics on a case early riser planter. So that'll be in our special delivery segment at the end of the podcast. What I would like to do today is I'd like to turn the clock back a little bit and bring you back to 2017. It's not that long ago, but it was the first time that I attended the Commodity Classic, and that year was in, not in Anaheim, excuse me, that was last year. It was in uh, San Antonio, Texas. And I was there as the guest of Successful Farming Magazine to speak on their their main stage and also was sponsored by Firestone Farm Tires at the time, which is now Firestone Ag. And I was blessed to be able to give a speech on the main stage, which is actually in the center floor of the uh, show complex. And I gave a talk there and I called it Taking an Analytical Approach to Farm Equipment Maintenance. Uh, they ended up changing the title. They thought it was too technical, and I guess the powers to be at Commodity Classic kind of watered it down and called it something else, but that was really what I had called it. But what I wanted to bring to you today is what I felt was very important in that discussion was not a actual technical procedure, but more a mindset. Oftentimes in life that you will find that a mindset is actually more important than the actual protocol or procedure. You could learn the procedure, but our mindset and our thought process needs to be tailored properly. So in preparation to going to Commodity Classic, I went out to Firestone's test farm in Columbiana, Ohio. 
and that was really a great 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 experience i met with brad harris there he's a uh, the, the lead engineer i believe for firestone tires and he doesn't uh, brag much about it but i actually think that he's responsible for most of the modern tire designs that they have and he's just a really neat guy he's uh he's a farmer he comes from a farm family and they still do farm and he's got an engineering degree and he's be able to he's able to put the two things together and really produce a uh, a great product but what was really interesting and i enjoyed was that the columbiana test farm for Firestone is Harvey Firestone's old farm. I think it's around 400 acres and it's the old farm that Harvey Firestone's family uh, lived on and that he farmed and it eventually evolved into being the test farm and that is where I believe the first pneumatic farm tire was actually invented. Harvey Firestone invented the uh, pneumatic farm tire. If you go to the farmmachinerydigest.com uh, website and look under the video links I have an excellent uh, video link that was produced. Uh, I forgot what TV show it was, but you have to you have to click a couple of things. You have to go to the segment section of that link, and then it's not a direct link to it. And it's an excellent, excellent historical uh, video about how the pneumatic farm tire came about, and about Harvey Firestone and how the pneumatic farm tire, regardless of the brand, basically changed how how we all farm today so that's in the video section on the farm machinery digest.com website but anyway to get back to the story is that the columbiana test farm is really a neat place and uh, harvey firestone's old barn is actually uh, made into the training center and an operations center there it's a bank barn so uh, it's built into a bank uh, some people out west aren't familiar with that term it's more of a northeastern uh, midwestern term bank barn because it's built into a slight hill and it was made into the uh, the offices there but what was really great about that visit was that i had the opportunity to spend the whole day with brad and to talk about tires and understand the ad2 technology the um, the IF and VF tire technology, which I really only had a cursory, cursory knowledge of. But also the highlight of that journey, the true highlight for me, was that I got to see the mean machine. And if you don't know what the mean machine is, you could probably Google it. And you have to do Firestone mean machine. And it actually came out in 1975. And I remember as a young boy, I used to love to go to the mailbox because I was always interested in magazines. And it's uh, funny how life is that now I'm writing for magazines for many years now and actually doing, uh, I guess, a podcast and a website, which is a modern-day version, almost like a quasi-electronic magazine. But... The Mean Machine came out in 1975, I believe, and I remember going to the mailbox here on the farm, and I used to go with giddy anticipation to the mailbox in the hope, especially at a certain time of month when I knew that the magazines would be coming, and Successful Farming Magazine was in there, and I remember walking back to the house and thumbing through it as I always did to any magazine that came to see, to see what stories and articles I was going to read. And I saw this ad for the Mean Machine, and it was love at first sight. And then many years later, so that was 1975, and then in 2017, I actually got to see the Mean Machine in Sitnet. And what the and that was just great. I mean, uh, talk about a dream come true. I had a similar dream from years back. 
I think around in the early 1971 to 72, I was a little kid, and we had gotten in the same mailbox a uh, issue of Popular Mechanics, and that is when the federal government actually revealed to the public the SR-71 Blackbird spy plane. And I remember seeing that on the cover of the Popular Mechanics magazine, and I fell instantly in love with it as I did the Mean Machine. And then in 1991, on a trip out west, I went to the Strategic Air Command Museum in Nebraska and actually saw my first SR-71 Blackbird was actually able to touch her. So uh, that plane is remarkable, and the mean, mean machine is remarkable also in its own way. And prior to the mean machine, uh, the tire testing at the Firestone Test Farm, as in other facilities, was a hodgepodge of different ways to put resistance on the tractor to, and to in, evoke tire slip. And actually, Harvey Firestone started with an old bread delivery truck that they waited and they would cause some resistance with it. So the mean machine was a big, big step forward, and they still use that today. That's how advanced it was. Where back in when it first came out, they actually had an operator in the mean machine, and it uses... Um, eddy current resistance motors on the tires to, to create resistance, to create drag. But today, they no longer have an operator in it. The uh, tractor operator is able to control the mean machine with modern uh, electronics. But the, the, the focus of it and the way it works and its existence is exactly still the same. So that was really a great, great, great opportunity to be able to go out there and to uh, see that mean machine and actually sit in it and sit behind the wheel of, well, that really doesn't have a steering wheel, but sit in the cab of the mean machine. But anyway, to get back to uh, what this is really about, what I have seen, and that really is the impetus for this podcast and the Farm Machinery Digest website, is that there is a lack of transfer of knowledge. I always use the same term between the machinery aspect of farming and the farmer. So there's a big divide between the technology and of the machinery and how it's repaired and how it works and also uh, and the farmer now this the industry itself does a wonderful job in my estimation of discussing agronomy marketing uh, estate issues as far as uh, transfer of transfer of the farm to family members but there is not that much as far as the machinery is concerned and it's all superficial the most of the things that are out there so if you look at the farm as a balance sheet, which it needs to be because it's a business, and on the balance sheet we have all different columns, and as I always say in my introductions, is that it's not what you make, it's what you keep. And you could, and the farm is a three-legged stool. It's agronomy, it's marketing, and it's machinery. And great decisions in those two areas could very easily be evaporated, or what I like to say, fly out the farm shop door. Uh, with a wrong decision or a wrong diagnosis or what have you, a wrong procedure in the farm shop. And then ultimately you end up in the same place. So I want you to be able to keep your yield bump and I want you to also be very, very successful in your marketing plan and I want you to be able to take the funds and the profits from the farm and reinvest them to make more money and not be consumed by mistakes in the farm shop. But... When I was challenged with going to Commodity Classic, and I only had 30 minutes to talk on the stage, <clears throat> that I said, what can I tell the farmer that's going to give him real value, 
that's going to stick in his mind and he's going to be able to bring back to his operation and really move the needle with it. So I came up with this idea of discussing an analytical approach to farm machinery maintenance. And I wanted to touch on three areas. And those three areas were quite simplistic. And they are that the, your diesel fuel needs to be additized, that you should perform fluid analysis on all of your equipment and fluids, and the importance of ground circuits on modern farm equipment. So I felt that if I could drive home these three points and show value to the people of Commodity Classic, that the, the farmers in attendance would be able to go home and actually employ this on their operation. And by doing that, they could have a better chance of being successful and retaining their profit. So I'm going to go through them in the, quickly in the order that I did on the main stage in San Antonio. The first thing is you need to additize your diesel fuel. And in a future segment of the Idle Chatter podcast, I'm going to do a, do a whole show on additizing diesel fuel. But the thing that you need to keep in mind is that the diesel fuel that you buy for your equipment is really at odds with what the manufacturer wanted. It's of no disrespect to the people that manufacture the diesel fuel or ship it, but through transit it wicks in moisture, it goes into different tanks, it picks up dirt. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things that happen to that fuel or it is exposed to before it gets to your farm. And then you put in a storage tank on your farm, and some people have in-ground storage tanks, some have above-ground storage tanks, and there's uh, sludge forms from the heating and cooling in the storage tank from the uh, from the sun load and the temperature inversions. So we, we really, we, we have a product that's that left the refinery as an excellent product, and by the time it got there, it's 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 damaged goods to a certain extent, and by using a a a multiple mode of action additive that you will treat that fuel and it only costs about five cents per gallon to treat it properly and you will treat that fuel and you will end up having a better running piece of equipment less repairs uh, better performance and more reliability the next thing I'm going to touch on is the need to do fluid analysis most people look at flu analysis in the wrong way. It is not meant to tell. It's not meant to tell how good your fluid is. It's meant to be a predictor of what is happening with the systems or the circuits that that fluid works with. So much like plant tissue analysis is telling you what gets in the plant and soil analysis is telling you what is in the soil that they work together. You need to have the nutrients in the soil and then the nutrients need to get into the plant. If you have too much, if you have an imbalance, as we all know, of nutrients in the soil, they become tied up and then they do not get into the plant. So we need to know what's available and what has physically gotten into the plant. It's akin to having a checking account. You could have funds in a checking account, but if you don't write the check and pay the bill, the bill is delinquent. So fluid analysis is a wonderful predictor of what is going on with that system that has that working fluid in it. And just like going back to a plant analogy, just like a once you see, you know, everybody who's an agronomist will tell you, once you see a nutrient deficiency in the field, it's too late. So plant tissue analysis is a predictor of 
the nutrient deficiency before it becomes visually um, visually available or visually for you to see is visually available is not a proper sentence uh, <clears throat> but and <clears throat> The fluid analysis is the same thing. So if something, let's say, something is starting to go go away, you will see that in the fluid analysis. And then the third part of the discussion was understanding the importance of ground circuits on modern farm equipment. Old farm equipment and old equipment in general, ground circuits are very important, but due to the minimal electronics that were on older equipment, it wasn't that paramount as it is today. So what I'm basically going to do is touch on those and then I'm going to put closure to this and then apply a business model to it uh, to why this should all make sense and you should pay attention to this and this podcast could hopefully, uh, God willing, bring you some value. One of the paramount things with uh, with diesel fuel is that you need to keep uh, you need to keep the moisture and the corrosion out of the components in the fuel system. And one of the other things is that we need to be able to have a proper degree of lubricity for those components. Now, if it's an older engine with what we would call a pump line nozzle system, which is a mechanical injection pump, versus a newer tier 4 engine that has an electronic injection, it's slightly different, but the the, uh, result is the same. And... With ultra-low sulfur diesel fuel, it does not have a high level of lubricity. Most people think that the sulfur was the lubricant. It really was not. The sulfur was not the lubricant. It was the process to remove the sulfur, destroy the lubricity. And without lubricity, if we know if we run an engine without oil, what happens to it? It seizes. So without proper lubricity in the fuel the ultra low sulfur diesel fuel has the propensity to wear components in the injection system at a very high rate at an exponential rate and then when this does happen you have a whole bunch of different potential problems you could have an injection pump that fails prematurely and usually it doesn't fail at first it usually starts to skew and the engine doesn't run properly and then eventually eventually you have a failure or you could have a failed uh, failure in the in actually nozzles and the injectors of the system now on a modern tier 4 system lubricity is still the key but it is more forgiving because it doesn't have as many mechanical moving parts and the moving parts in the injectors were designed for the lower level of lubricity but keep in mind that we discussed a few seconds ago a few minutes ago that the fuel gets exposed to a lot of adverse conditions while before from from the time it goes from the refinery to your farm and often time especially the the introduction of moisture into that fuel reduces its lubricity so i feel it is paramount to add a lubricity additive to all diesel fuel regardless if it's going into a mechanical injection system or electronic system a tier 4 style design because you do not know in any practical way what level of lubricity that fuel has that's actually being pumped into that fuel tank and since it's pennies per gallon to lubricate that fuel then there is uh it's it's basically a no-brainer as far as i'm concerned to do that now the other thing i wanted to uh, bring up on the same token is that 
most farms are running uh, pickup trucks or some sort of light-duty engines that are diesel. And all of the new pickup trucks today use electronic injection and have very complicated injection systems and they and they are tier 4 and even prior to tier 4 they had a complicated electronic systems you had the GM Duramax you had the uh, Ford Power Strokes and then the uh, generation of the Ram Dodge Ram trucks with the Cummings engines and you know I'm gonna break away from this for a moment because it's very easy to pigeonhole yourself into a thinking of only your farm equipment but you know your your pickup truck that you drive or anything that the farm pays for is a piece of farm equipment so as far as I'm concerned because the profit all comes from the farm so if you are a farmer and your wife's car needs injectors in it then basically in essence the money the funds that were made for made by the farm are going for that repair so I like to look at everything collectively I don't look at it and say oh this is only a combine and that's my my personal vehicle I look at it collectively because that profit all goes into paying for your for your living expenses and an unnecessary repair on your pickup truck as far as I'm concerned is a living expense and takes away from the farm's bottom line it gets back to that balance sheet balance sheet uh, idea so with today's modern pickup trucks over the past let's say the past 15 to 18 years almost 20 years now which is crazy how time flies by is that those injectors are very sensitive to a lack of lubricity and they're also very sensitive to carbon deposits being formed on them and then and sticking internally and when that does happen usually the engine runs very poorly and then eventually you get a check engine light on and then the next step is you're putting eight injectors in it and based upon on the model the year and what is involved to get to them that very easily could be a seven thousand dollar repair six or seven eight hundred dollars for each injector times eight and then the and then the labor and then the proper way to do it would be put all new gaskets on and none of those engines are easy to work on they're very very time consuming so a failed injector uh, injection system on your pickup truck is going to hurt your bottom line just as much as a failed pump on the sprayer or a failed component on the planter, the combine, the tractor, the hay bind, whatever you happen to have. So it is very important for you to treat your diesel fuel on all of your applications because you do not want to have an avoidable failure due to a lack of lubricity and or a bunch of sludge and carbon that builds up on those components now the next thing we're going to talk about a little bit is fluid analysis there's two ways that you could do fluid analysis you could do it when the fluid is being drained or you could do what is called an in-service analysis and to do an in-service analysis means that you like a soil sample you're extracting a small amount of of the fluid from that system and sending it to the laboratory most fluid analysis labs sell at the proper extraction pump and uh, pump, excuse me, and um, it has a little bottle that screws onto the uh, that screws onto the bottom of the pump, and that's the sample bottle that they provide that it's sent to the laboratory, and they're usually around fifty dollars. It's a one-time investment, and you use plastic line that they supply to be able to suck the sample in. 
Friend, I like to take in-service samples because you could be between drain intervals. You get some of the newer equipment. I know John Deere has some equipment with 500-hour drain intervals, so I would not uh, want to wait 500 hours to sample my, my fluids and maybe do it at the midpoint. But the important thing is that if you do a fluid sample, you could see what is happening. And if there's some excessive wear, you could catch that before it really becomes a problem. And as I said, it's only about $25 for a test. And I'm going to tell you a story. It has nothing to do with farming. It has to do with when I was building race engines. I had a friend of mine, and I built a, uh, a race engine for his Corvette. And it was a low-budget engine. It was a road race engine. And uh, it was about 500 horsepower piece, and it ran real well. And it used predominantly used General Motors parts. There was nothing crazy about it. It was just uh, a lot of little finesse finesse things done to it and then his name is Tony and he said to me you know I was thinking about you know what should I do with this motor I said well let's do a oil analysis on it Tony he said I said he said it runs great he said it doesn't run any different than when you built it 10 years ago so I said let's do an oil analysis and everything looks good on it you know just run it for another season or two he was a part-time racer so we pulled an oil analysis on it, in-service oil analysis, and we sent it to the lab, and the lab calls me up, and he says to me, and they say to me, Ray, you got more titanium in this oil than in a helicopter gearbox. He said, that's crazy. I said, where is this titanium coming from? He says, this is basically a dump truck motor. So he says, I don't know where it's coming from, and he says, but it's loaded, the oil is loaded with titanium. Other than that, everything is fine. So he says, think about what you did with that motor. There's got to be titanium somewhere, and he hangs up the phone. So I'm thinking about it, thinking about it. And I said, geez, where can this be? And we used titanium retainers on the valve springs. And what was basically happening is that the uh, Tony had a, a propensity to over-rev this motor. And over time, that the titanium of the valve or retainers were shredding. And if we did not catch this, it would eventually drop the valve. So we pulled the retainers off, and lo and behold, they were very extremely worn. And we put a new set of retainers on there, and bingo, away you go, when he ran the motor for another few years with no issues. So basically a $25 oil analysis in that particular instance showed us that the retainers that there was titanium in the engine and there was a potential problem in the making and we needed to take care of it so the same thing holds true to your farm equipment now if you do if you take a sample when the oil is draining you could do that also at the oil change intervals or fluid change intervals if it's hydraulic fluid or what have you gear oil and all you need to do is let it drain for about 30 or 40 seconds before you put the sample cup under the drain hole because you don't want to get all of the dirt even though you wipe the plug off but the laboratory test would pick up all the dirt and grime and it would be uh, that aspect of it would be invalid the next thing I'm going to discuss is the need to understand the importance of ground circuits on modern farm equipment and as I said earlier in the podcast that it was um, that ground circuits are important on any electrical system but specifically on modern farm equipment everything is electronic and we do not know how things were there's no one could predict just like lightning you can't predict where lightning is going to strike so all you know it's going to take the path of least resistance and the same thing is going to happen on the ground and modern farm equipment with electronic controls with monitors on it uh, uh, 
what precision planting equipment what have you is that it's going to be very sensitive to the grounds that are on that system and if it doesn't if it has a high impedance ground not a broken ground a high impedance ground the, the system will act funny so if you have an electrical system that seems to do some uh, crazy things or inconsistent things, let's say you're, you're combining, and I'm just making this up as I'm going along as an example, is that you're combining and everything is fine, and then you put the headlights on and starting to get dark, and then all of a sudden the, uh, the monitor starts to do something crazy, or it doesn't, or works inconsistently, or... Uh, it, or you don't even put the headlights on is that you're going down the field you come on you have the air conditioner on and uh and at this particular point you never made that association something is something acts funny intermittently and it could be very well a bad ground and when the ac clutch engages which is a high current draw that it puts some interference or it doesn't have a good ground on another circuit that's actually feeding back into it I'm going to, if you go to the farmmachinerydigest.com uh, website, I do have a, some articles on there under the learning series about ground circuits and how to perform the proper test. The proper test is called a voltage drop test, and it's very simple. The, the hard part about a voltage drop test is that you need to be able to get to that ground circuit. And in essence, a voltage drop test is the way you check a ground. Most people who contact me say, hey, you know, the ground is good. I looked at it. It's clean and what have you. That's that's like looking going, that's like driving past a cornfield at 65 miles an hour. I say, man, that corn looks nice. It's nice and green. Everything looks great at 60 miles an hour through the windshield. And, um, and in, as far as the ground circuit is concerned, things look they may look good, but they're not. So what is a voltage drop test? Let's think of it of a of a lane feeding onto a interstate highway. If you have a lane that feeds onto an interstate highway and you have a whole bunch of cars that are trying to merge and there's a lot of traffic on the highway, what's going to happen is you're going to have a traffic jam at the merge point. And to make this a little bit more agrarian, let's say that you're a dairy farmer and you have a hundred cows and the cows are all in a barn and you have one exit out of the barn a gate for them to get into the pasture obviously all 100 cows can't go through the gate at one time so there's going to be a traffic jam of cows going one at a time in out and out of the barn into the pasture well a voltage drop test actually measures the traffic jam of electrons that are stuck at that ground that cannot make a ground path complete the ground path so they're actually stuck there it's a traffic jam of electrons and if you have that traffic jam of electrons it is called a high impedance ground and it would be akin to an electronic circuit as feeding a, a, a gasoline engine with gasoline with water in it so the circuit is not going to function properly because it does it has this backlog this traffic jam of electrons and so to do a voltage drop test and I know it may be hard for you to to grasp this just in this podcast but like I said I will have an article I think I have an article on it right now on the website but uh, what you're doing is you're measuring the traffic jam it's very very simple to do the hard part is getting access to the ground what you're going to do is you're going to get your voltmeter and you may have to make up lead extensions and you're going to take your negative lead of the voltmeter and you're going to attach it to the battery ground and then with the positive lead of the voltmeter you're going to go to the ground that you want to check so let's say it's a ground for your headlights 
So you're going to have the negative lead on the battery negative terminal to ground, and then you're going to go with the positive lead to the ground that's being tested. And then you need to turn on that circuit. So you may need a helper. You need to evoke that circuit. And then what you do is you're going to turn that. So in this particular instance, the example, you will turn on the headlights, and you will read on the voltmeter. You want to use the lowest scale possible. You will read on the voltmeter the the electrons that cannot get to ground. So on a good ground, you would have between you would have between a maximum, I should say, is probably a more accurate way of a maximum of two and a half to three tenths of a volt on the ground circuit. Some people say two tenths, some people say three. So let's say three tenths of a volt on the ground circuit maximum. If you have more than three tenths of a volt on the ground circuit, you have a traffic jam. And now it is your job to find out where that why that traffic jam is there. Is it because the connection where it goes to the frame is, is rusty? Is it because corrosion has gotten back up into the wire? That's very, very common on New Holland tractors and case equipment. Is that at the battery terminal, the corrosion works itself back up into the actual cables and creates a high impedance so if you have more than two to three tenths of a volt with that circuit has to be active that is a high impedance ground and if you were to check that with an ohmmeter an ohmmeter uses a minute minute voltage from its internal battery and that would check fine so it's very imperative that you look at that and do that voltage drop test. And as I said, the hard part about it is that you usually have to make up jumper leads. What I did is, I over, back years ago, I bought a spool of wire and alligator clips, and I made up made up some, some thin jumper leads so that I could check something on equipment, because that's the hardest part, and then oftentimes you will need a helper. All right, so let's, let's make sense of this now. Now... At my, on my main stage talk at Commodity Classic, uh, through Firestone and through Successful Farming, I had my second to the last screen, oops, or a slide on the PowerPoint, said this, and I'm going to read it to you. Let this not be you. So this was, and these are all actual cases, thank God, they didn't happen to the same person. Farm truck with failed weak injectors on all cylinders. $7,000 repair. And then I say this was an avoidable failure if properly treated fuel was used. The second person, weak hydraulic pump on track that delays planting five days while being repaired. You now miss the optimal planting window. This costs you five bushels per acre yield. And uh, as an aside to this, according to most universities, that for each day that you uh, missed planting by, I think it's 0.54% a yield drop. So that's 2.9% of 170 bushels five days, uh, which is the national average more or less. So it costs you five bushels per acre because you missed that optimum planting window. So now I want to note that the cost of the repair for the hydraulic pump on the planter, on the tractor, would be the same. But the fluid analysis would have found that problem before planting season and not in the field. So if the pump cost you $2,000, you still would have spent that, but you would have spent that in, April, in, in, in February, not in the field delaying the planting window. And so it costs you five bushels per acre, and these are actual real numbers. 
And then the third example I gave was a gentleman who actually contacted me a while back, and he had a combine that goes into limp mode during harvest. The dealer replaces multiple sensors and the ECU, and it is still not repaired. That cost the farm $4,000, and he still had a combine that would go into limping mode. If I remember correctly, it was setting a code for overspeed of the turbocharger. And then... The true cause was a high impedance ground. It was found by accident when he was changing a part. And what I like to say is, during the initial diagnosis, if the technician from the dealership did a voltage drop test, it would have revealed the weak ground and the gentleman would not have spent uh, the $4,000 on parts that did not fix the combine and also have the stress of trying to get his crop out of the field and the engine power and RPM being limited. So the next slide that I want to discuss with you is the financial impact of this. So what we're going to do is we're going to first talk about the, by the farmer not using fluid analysis and having the uh, hydraulic pump fail. So let's say he, you plant 1,000 acres of corn and you have a 5 bushel yield loss because of the delayed planting window due to the uh, hydraulic pump failure. At $3.50 a bushel, that cost your farm $17,500. By not treating your diesel fuel on a continual basis and you having your pickup truck require a $7,000 repair, that was unnecessary. And then the unnecessary repair for the ground, poor ground, was $4,000. So if you take $17,500, uh, the loss in yield at three fifty dollars a bushel, five, acres per acre, five bushels per acre, excuse me, the unnecessary injector repair for $7,000 by not advertising the fuel, and then the improper procedure of not doing a, a ground a volt ground voltage drop on the combine was a $4,000 wasted money. That total loss to your farm was $28,500. And if you farm 2,000 acres of corn, that total loss would be $46,000. So once you look at it in that, in, in through those eyes, you could see that that seemingly innocent mistakes in the farm shop are actually f having your profits fly out the window. So please, you know, listen to this if you need to listen to it again. And three simple things to do: advertise your fuel for five cents a gallon, do fluid analysis. And then also remember that when you have some sort of crazy electrical problem on any piece of modern equipment, check all of the grounds with a voltage drop test. And I don't want this to be you. Just think of it. I mean, even with the thousand acres of corn, uh, and those, t and it's very simple for these three things to happen to one farm. Twenty-eight thousand five hundred dollars would go a lot better for fertility or for uh, better genetics or anything else other than than unnecessary repairs. So now, I will go quickly to our uh, special delivery section. Jim from New York writes, "I am going to buy a new heavy-duty pickup truck for the farm." That's good. That's, I'm happy when people are uh, successful and able to invest in new equipment. Uh, I'm saying that. He didn't say that. Um, I have nailed it down to a Ford or GMC. 
I would love to have a diesel, but I'm hesitant. They seem so complicated, and the cost to add it is an op as an option is more than twice what I paid for my first new truck. He's 100% right. It's about ninety, about $8,500 to put a diesel into any one of the... Um, uh, three uh, big three truck brands uh, Ford GM General Motors or Ram it says what do you think I should do well you know as an engine guy you know it's, it's hard not to fall in love with a modern diesel in a pickup truck 900 pounds feet of torque 450 500 horsepower but the thing is I agree with you 100% Jim is that uh, I personally would buy a gas job uh, there's the gas engines are so much more powerful than they were years ago they're actually more powerful than the diesel engines were 20 years ago when we got our first diesel pickup trucks and the maintenance and expense to run a diesel especially for a farm truck where you do a lot of short duty cycle trips and uh, don't run a lot of miles at one particular time and you know, we just discussed about advertising the fuel and the engines are very complicated and engineering you know we have a uh an acronym that says that's called KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. So the more prop, the more areas you have, the more components, uh, the more uh, possible air things that could go wrong. I'm not against diesel, but if you look at what happens with a diesel engine, I mean, they take a lot of oil, and and to tell you the truth, short duty cycle, short trips where they can't really get hot and run for a long time, actually kill them. And they build a lot of moisture in the oil. Uh, they, they take a lot of oil to change oil, a lot of filters. And then also the, um, the, the emission system goes through a lot of regen cycles because it becomes soot loaded. On my, uh, at my website, I have a, a quite extensive uh, tier 4 explanation article that I think that you should read before anyone buys a new pickup truck. I love the diesels. I have Ford stock. I mean, so hey, you know, they really ring the cash register for a lot of money. But farmer to farmer, unless you run a lot of miles, a lot of miles, I would rather go up the hill a little bit slower with the with the tag along trailer hooked up, and save the eighty five hundred dollars and put that towards uh, towards other things on my farm that can make you money, like better genetics or better fertility. So that is uh, my opinion. And then. Uh, Bob from Delaware writes, I retrofitted a bunch of precision planting equipment to a two-year-old two case early riser planter. I had some electrical issues with the displays and other areas. The problem would come and go. I got through planting, but during the winter, I want to see what is going on for the next season. The case dealer said all looks good, but that is not what I have seen. If you could steer me in the proper direction, that would be great. Thanks. Uh, I really think, you know, we discussed this um from the Commodity Classic presentation, historically, when you have phantom electrical things like that, it e the system either has a high impedance ground and or it has what's called EMI, which is electromotive interference. Uh, if it's a big planter and is running an alternator on it, it's very possible that it has a weak diode net alternator and it is sending out some unrectified AC into that precision planting system. And... Uh, that would really mess things up on an inconsistent basis because the unrectified AC could change based upon the electrical load that's on the alternator. 
on also uh, if it has a weak ground. Most times when people retrofit things, they put a ground to a painted surface, and it is not a good ground. It's a high impedance ground. The idea that he says that it is intermittent makes me to think um, that all of those systems use actually, you know, automotive style connectors. They're actually what they call PED connectors, which are developed by General Motors. Packard Electronic Division is what it stands for. And other than if one of the pins is not in there tightly, they usually are pretty good and are weather tight. So it's usually not a problem, but you always want to look at connections. But phantom or ghost problems like that historically are a weak ground, which we discussed, and or some electrical noise from the uh, alternator or some other circuit so I what I suggest for you to do Bob is uh, send me an email at hot rod farmer uh, hot rod farmer at uh, farm machinery digest.com and I could uh, open up a dialogue with you over the telephone and I could give you some things to uh, check if we need to uh, to go to this so please send me an email and I'll you know and that goes to everyone that I'll be more than happy, you know, to talk to people on telephone because if I can't help you with email, sometimes it's quicker to go back and f to talk on a telephone and uh, not send 57 emails back and forth. Well, listen, I want to thank you so much for listening today. Uh, I enjoyed being able to speak with you. Hopefully I gave you something that is of value. And as uh, Firestone likes to say, farm hard. And I just want you to know the hot rod farmer is pulling for you and the American farmer. God bless you and hope that you tune in next week. Mm -hmm.